0: Welcome to Death Metal. <laughs> nerd free wrestling
1: doing both man
0: well we gotta do a crossover episode because if you're one of the fucking thousands of people that listen to death metal dicks we could really use your support over at nerd free wrestling yeah, yeah there's only like 200 people listening to that so you know if you like one you definitely like the other i feel like even if you don't like wrestling even if you don't like death metal, we don't really stick to the narrative on anything ever. Yeah. Especially if you're familiar with this, you know what the hell's going on. Yeah,
1: we get. A, I mean, we do get a little bit naughty over here at, on this podcast sometimes. Naughty, naughty.
0: But naughty on the other one.
1: Naughty on all of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're getting like uh, internet harassed. Sweet. For being naughty, basically. It's like the weirdest shit, too. I'm not even going to go into because I'm sure they're fucking jacking off, too. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it, there's been several over the course of the podcast, but it's just the silliest shit. Yeah. Like People always try to threaten your... When I had the restaurant, people would be like, is this where you work? I'm like, yeah. What is that? Go yeah. ahead. Dude, would you like the phone number? Yeah. What the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. It's always some shit like that. Or go make negative reviews on your business page for whatever. It's not even no one. Th- it's not people that dislike you or just some weird fucking internet way of getting attention.
1: Yeah. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like I tell my kids. People can't really bully you if you can't be bullied.
1: I had a
0: cool song that I forgot. what the
1: Was it Uh, When It Squirts The Most?
0: No, that's a
1: long... We did that one a long time. I love that one. It's catchy. Yeah. It is catchy. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Well, hell,
0: the only type of crossover we could do is a crime that happened in both avenues. Death Metal Dicks, if you're not familiar with that, we cover a true crime. We used to try to match it up with a Death Metal song, (laughs) but we gave up on that because Buddy can't read.
1: Now we got a song song made already for us.
0: Yeah, that too. And then... uh,
1: I read better when I'm not drunk. <laughs>
0: I doubt it, dude. Yeah. I've seen it.
1: Hey. You can't read. Yeah.
0: I mean you can't read out loud. That's the how did that go for you at school?
1: I just didn't read. Yeah. But no scary. one was ever like, buddy, if you could. Yeah, I would just <laughs> I would just be like, Well, well, what it was, that feel bad for me because I had like uh, I had remedial classes, so they were like, "Oh yeah, just forget about it." Yeah, So that was
0: pretty sick. So they never even called on you because they knew what they were getting. Yeah, they, yeah, because
1: then they knew I just fart or something, and interrupt the class. <coughs> so
0: defense tactics. I yeah, usually just... <laughs> oh, <you'd> like that. To... <laughs> there it is.
1: Okay, uh, go ahead and read chapter. <laughs> <later>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> And then, uh, Nerd Free Wrestling, we cover pro wrestling, and, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of fucking crossover, man. Yeah. They're, they're so naughty, dude. Oh, yeah. They're wild. People, when you're a kid, when you're a male kid, and you think about shit you could do to rock when you grow up, that's like, you want to either be a rock star or a pro wrestler, and, uh...
1: Both kind of the same job.
0: Yeah, real similar. You know, like in our day and age. So rock went through. I watched VH1 all the time. Did you fuck with VH1? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. So you would see like the '80s bands. Yeah, that had come and gone. You know. Yeah. So it would It would be like, Poison, Molly Crew. Yeah, bands that had gotten sucked up and down. The entire, I mean, from China to New Orleans just got blown and flown. Yeah. Did every drug, fucked every lady. Yeah. And your brain would be like, I just don't think it could get any wilder than this. But it turns out, no one was talking about at that time what pro wrestlers were up to. Yeah. Which was kind of the same pattern of behavior where you're traveling all the time, every day of your life, you're going somewhere new, you're getting sucked by someone different. When you're there, cocaine, booze, and then the addition of steroids. Yeah. On top of all that, plus like you know the allure of like a rock star is they're making music that you can fucking groove to and that yeah. gets you wet. But pro wrestlers, dude, this is also a time when people didn't know that it was fake. Yeah. People thought That the most powerful combat sport there was Was pro wrestling You had two giant freaks Battling for supremacy Physical combat Yeah Yeah And if
1: you're If you're like
0: a woman Like a 31 year old woman Yeah In Lawrence, Kansas Yeah And the macho man Randy Savage shows up Hopped you never seen anything like Hell that. Hell no. There might be a couple of guys that went to your high school. This is another thing too that, it, like, with so one of the positives of social media is that fitness is kind of cool now.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I really think it started with CrossFit pre-social media, yeah, where yeah, it yeah. was like streamlining, looking aesthetically pleasing in an environment that was easily sold as opposed to just like the 24 hour gym with no plan, no execution, just like, well, you can get jacked, but no one's going to show you how, but with the internet, you can easily find a program that you can mentally enjoy. And there's a, I mean, if I know it's geared... I know that your social media algorithm is geared towards the type of shit that you're into, so whatever you look up online, they just keep feeding it to you, but my whole thing is all different fucking... Like, different ways to eat. Yeah. Healthy fucking bodybuilder bullshit, powerlifting bullshit.
1: Supplements.
0: And they're, they all have millions of views. So it's getting shoved down people's throats now in a way. So it's not unusual to see some fucking freak at the grocery store like us who's yeah. jacked as hell. Getting you would
1: think that. Healthy yeah.
0: food. Well, here not so much, but I mean everywhere else. That's what I'm saying is yeah. like... I'm just going back And then You know You rewind to 1989 Yeah You hadn't seen Like there might be <clears throat> Dudes that played football In your high school Or whatever And they were kind of big But you never saw Anything like Yeah The roster that the Motherfucking WWF Or WCW had When then when they Roll into town And like they, You might just be At an Applebee's And they got done Wrestling and they all Rolled in Yeah I it's mean Freak show But you know If you're a lady yeah, uh, new type of wet.
1: Yeah, I mean this specific time period in the '80s. Um, I don't think we told anybody what we're doing. We're doing Brody King, but not Brody King. Me, no nah, fuck my brain. Bruiser Brody. Yeah, got mixed up there for a second. Anyways, during that time period, they they were looking for the biggest fucking freaks, like just yeah, tall, yeah, seven foot tall, weighing over three hundred pounds, jacked. You know, just fucking animals, like bigger than life characters, and they really thought these people were barking and howling and carrying down chains and swinging them, and yeah, they're just like they were just doing that day to day. Like they probably like, well, we're just gonna let them out of their cage, let yeah, them go jump in the ring. They'll get done, come back to their kennel, and
0: yeah, and uh, we're talking really about a guy who uh, kind of set one of the molds for how even today, like you said, Brody King, he yeah. t- he's his namesake is from Bruiser Brody. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. back in the, uh, in the seventies, you had your Ric Flair. Uh, it was pre Hulk Hogan, you know, Ric Flair was like the youngest up and comer. Macho man was around, but he hadn't blossomed into the full blown cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just like your older cropping like uh Ricky the dragon steamboat, um fuck who else? there's a litany of people or fuck uh dusty Rhodes. yeah, who's a big fat fuck uh junkyard dog the junkyard dog, just a uh way before our time, but it very interesting to go back and watch matches, but this your base this is when pro wrestling went from. What modeled more of an actual combat sport, it was morphing into larger-than-life characters. It was going from people watching based on the organization to people watched based upon the wrestler. Yeah. So they were taking a sport and turning it into entertainment. That the seventies is really when that shift started to happen. This is
1: like, you know, a lot of the influence too. I I would assume upon the roster they picked would have been like things like He-Man cartoons where like the characters just jacked. Yeah. You know, even the action figures back then were fucking huge. Yeah.
0: And that's another thing that factored into it is like you, you didn't have merchandising. And what's crazy is like a lot of the merchandising for everything on the planet came from Kiss. Yeah, like Kiss started doing. I mean, bands. You could go see Led Zeppelin and they weren't even selling motherfucking T-shirts. Yeah, but you go see Kiss and they were selling everything. Yeah, and they were making hand over fist cash. So everyone kind of adopted that model, including the WWF at the time. And so to sell merchandise, you had to have a reason to buy it. And so they were, you know, so only so many people are going to buy just a straight up WWF shirt to let yeah. people know they like wrestling. So now you're getting into character development you're making huge stars out of individuals that transcends beyond wrestling so they're all the archetypes of personalities you can be in wrestling today started getting developed then so you know you had dusty rhodes he's the son of a plumber he's a big fat blue collar guy anyone could be this guy that's why he was so popular because you look at a dude and it's just like well i could do that Ric Flair, he's a villain. He's a rich guy. He's a playboy. He's flying around the world getting pussy. All the pussy you ever wanted to get, you can't because he's already got it.
1: Yep, he's made all of our moms uh, a thousand you know, times. The
0: motherfucking macho man, uh, a fucking you know freak from another world, almost uh, just dead set on destruction, no matter what. Do and you
1: think that like somebody in our Listener group or in our close friends, maybe one of their moms fucked Ric Flair, dude. Probably. It's a pretty...
0: I mean, he he's said he's got over 12,000 bodies.
1: I believe it, man. I
0: believe it, too. Most yeah. people, you'd be like, okay, but it's Ric Flair. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, you just factor in the amount of travel that he's done. Yeah. And if he banged... This is how you got to look at women, right? Like, if they're single and throughout their entire 20s, like, you link up in your 30s, and they yeah. spent their whole 20s being single... If they just banged a different guy every month, yeah. they're in the hundreds.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, using that type of math is someone like Ric Flair, who, again, was in a different place almost every day, at least every week. He banged. And he was at bars.
1: I think he was, man, he was definitely banging two, three times a day. Yeah.
0: I mean, that. yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you even take, like, if you... What he says is that he was fucking... Three to five different women a day, which may very well be true. But if you look at like the common sense approach to that, where it's like, well, if he just banged one person different in every different town he went to, which isn't unfathomable because again, you know, you're at an Applebee's and this guy shows up and there's no internet then. Yeah. So it's just, you're, you're out on the, people used to go to bars to get laid. Like that yeah. was the what you had to do. It wasn't like you're not going to put a personal in the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, I know the option was out there, but there was no Tinder. There was no, even before Tinder, when people would hook up through like MySpace or whatever, none of that was going on. So if you wanted to fuck somebody, you were going out. And if someone that wasn't a, a, in your normal base, it's like how many in your twenties, probably all the people you went to high school with are already getting married and having families and shit. Yeah. So you're one of the last ones. And you go to the, you go to three or four different bars all the time. You start see, seeing the same people all the time. Like, how many more of them can you fuck? Yeah. And then here's Ric Flair. He's getting a piece. He's getting it. So it was just wild out there. Is what I'm getting at. And but again, you had these character archetypes. And this was back when also kayfabe almost 100 trans- percent transcended the ring and went into the personal life of yeah. the wrestler. And if you don't know what kayfabe is essentially you had a character that you were portraying in the ring and on television. And, uh, because people believed that that was reality. Like if you ran into it, even in, uh, the heyday of like stone cold, Steve Austin and the rock, if you ran into one of them in public, you know, stone Cold's not going to be like, get the hell out of my goddamn face before I stomp a Texas sized mud hole in your ass. He's gonna be like, man, nice to meet you know, he's gonna be a nice dude. But if you ran into Brody, Bruiser Brody at the grocery store in fuck first of all, you wouldn't because he had that image to protect. But if you ran into him in public, he's gonna be a fucking wild asshole to you because that's who he is. Yeah. And be because Everything is so hinged on the believability of what you're doing, it becomes you. Yeah, I mean, if you watch any of the, like Ric Flair's got a ton of different documentaries that have come out about him in the last few years, he uh, but he doesn't really say it was his downfall, he enjoyed his life, but you know, it cost him essentially like a normal family life because he became Ric Flair. I mean that that turned into him. I mean he lost he didn't lose all his money. He's still fine, but he could have been much wealthier if he didn't. You know he's taken fucking and I don't know why Ric Flair became the example, but he's universal. So everyone knows Ric yeah, Flair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's taken private jets everywhere. Uh, he's spending you know ten thousand dollars on clothes every other week. He just blew it, being that guy. Yeah. And he made that guy, so it enveloped him because people had to believe when they saw Ric Flair. You can't just run into Ric Flair without him having Gator Gucci shoes on. No. It's going to be a problem.
1: Now I hear, like, if you run to him at a bar, dude, and he, like, just opens up the tabs. Yeah. And just says, y'all can do whatever you want. And of then, course. Like, people just get fucking yeah destroyed with Ric Flair. Of course. And he's still walking around. Yeah. He'll drink fucking... 10 15 drinks and go to the next bar. Absolutely. Do it again and then do it again. And then do it again. You know? It's fucking crazy.
0: Just who he is. And that's what he became. And so what I'm the picture I'm painting for Bruiser Brody is that he's one of the first what we know today as a hardcore wrestler. Yeah. He's not about the glitz and glamour. He's not about the tan and the muscles. He is portrayed as an absolute savage. Uh Every fight, every match that he has ends in blood. He's not doing a lot of technically proficient wrestling. Uh, He's not doing a lot of selling. He's not doing a lot of uh, making himself a marketable character. He's being a scary monster. That's his whole objective is to be seen like he's not even human, like he's a fucking serial killer from a different time that has to Go out and hit his food over the head with a club, drag it back to a cave, yeah, and sacrifice it to some god so he can get pussy that evening. Or whatever Pretty cool. insane shit that came with across his mind. So, he can't be a normal human. Yeah, He can't be hanging out at the bar. He's got to be transformed into an absolute monster. Has to. Yeah. So, saying that to say he was extremely protective of his in-ring image. And saying that, if you're supposed to be the guy who tears everyone limb from limb and can't be controlled by a wrestling promotion, you can't go losing matches. So, in America, that's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone understands the character. He's never going to be a guy that's the face of the company. So he's never going to be your champion. So he's not getting in the way of a lot. Uh, But if they throw you against him, you're going to have to get beat up and you're going to have to lose to him. But that also contributes to him not being a huge star. And so what he is a huge star of today and why he's held in such high regard is to like independent wrestlers because he is wrestling on like every promotion Taking every show he can, traveling all over the world to uh, be who he is. But that ruffled feathers of people who... Yeah, also wrestling used to be very territorial. It wasn't like there was WWE and AEW. And uh, they essentially are in competition with each other. But everything else that's outside of that umbrella basically wants to elevate everything else. Like you're not going to see GCW having beef with another similar size independent promotion, because that would be detrimental for everybody. They're going to try to elevate all the wrestlers. So the more popular the people wrestling on their show are, the more money they make, the happier everyone is. So before everything was like available on the internet and widely televised, it wasn't even about certain organizations. It was about an area So you would have people that lived in the South, and you could go to Texas, you could go to Tennessee, uh, you could go to Atlanta, you could go to South Carolina, North Carolina, but you had to fall in somewhere in that, and chances are, whatever one you decided to align yourself with, you're kind of resigned to that because no one else got along. Yeah. And if you had a huge promoter in Memphis, for example, uh, and someone else tried to come along and start their own wrestling show and bring out an audience, they it would become a real life problem. Yeah. They would shoot at you, kick your door in, sink your show any way they could. True. It was real shit. It was territorial. So whereas Brody was at, he would do any show and that crossed over into being in like Puerto Rico. And the problem that he kind of ran into in Puerto Rico is like, they've got their own set of stars and their set of stars are the people running the show well he doesn't want to damage his character by showing up and losing to the stars who it's their show and they want to be the guy that goes over they can't have someone like Brody coming in and beating everybody
1: up sure he's a fucking I mean like if you look at him you don't you know who we're talking about he's just a fucking seven foot something long haired hairy Big, big motherfucker, man. Just he looks like a goddamn animal. So, you know, they like his matches are always real crazy because when they go and fight in the crowd and shit, they he would be just around the audience, swinging a chain and barking loud and shit, and it's yeah. literally scared the shit out of people. Yeah, you know, because like, they didn't know at the time yeah, again yeah. that
0: it was a work. Yeah. They thought it was reality. They thought the person fighting him had agreed to the contest. And and again, the, the, talking about him being one of the first hardcore guys, this is also a new era. It is somebody, just like you said, who's willing to spill out into the crowd and fight in the crowd. Yeah, It's not just the in-the-ring, traditional rules setup. You know, It's uh, more in-your-face, it's grittier, it's dirtier, it's made to look like...
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, the word, you know, yeah, people, I, I would assume, I guess, Abdullah Butcher is like the first, like, hardcore deathmatch guy. Yeah. Definitely uh, in
0: the group. There, that, This is the thing, too, is there could have definitely been, like, underground guys. This is all the problem that we have with a wrestling podcast. Yeah. So if you listen to DMD, I'm sure you're not one of these nerds, but it's like there's such a deep history of wrestling, and people start to learn the ins and outs of every detail that ever happened. So, Abdul the Butcher probably took his act from somebody, and we yeah. just don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah. So, cram it.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. You know, this... I mean, it all adds to this, like, fear that people have at these shows, because you got these dudes that have fucking scars on their forehead from getting forks shoved in them and shit, and, like, shoved in their mouth, and it's just like a bloodbath, and nobody had really seen anything like this until these guys came along, you know? It was... It was something to behold live, I'm sure, just fucking... Especially if you're in, like, Japan or Cuba or whatever, and you just fucking see these dudes doing that to each other. And Yeah. I mean, dude, imagine you're in Puerto Rico. Yeah. You don't even have
0: TV. And you just go to these wrestling shows that have been going on there forever, and it's the same people. And, like, they're smart because they're bringing in outside talent. Yeah. But you go from high flying Ricky the dragon steamboat style wrestling. And then they're basing their characters on essentially on American characters. So you got their version of Ric Flair, their version of uh Jimmy Valiant and yeah. Bill superstar Dundee. And just like the same thing that Americans did, like Hulk Hogan just stole, you know, Billy Graham's act. And so did Jesse, the body venture, like all these guys, they just see something and take the parts of it that they think are marketable and let that become their image. That's yeah. not the shit on the Puerto Rican wrestlers. It's just how it went. Yeah. Yeah. But Bruiser Brody seemed to be entirely unique. Sure. There wasn't really anything else. I mean, junkyard dog, maybe kind of with the chains, but he was funky. He danced. Oh, yeah. and Bruiser Brody ain't dancing. Mm -hmm. And Bruce Brody was, like, actually a a really accomplished athlete. I mean, he was huge. He played football and basketball in high school. Then he got a full-ride scholarship to play at um, West Texas A&M University. And then he didn't quite make it to the NFL, but he went to the TFL and the COFL, which I think the COFL is Canadian football, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, he... I think an average person would, like, shirk off playing a minor league sport is like, a joke, kind of, because you're not in what they're accustomed to. But that's yeah. still a high-level fucking athlete. Fuck, yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, you're,
0: st- you know, out of the 10,000 people playing at the highest level, maybe 3,000 of them made it in to the big paycheck, and 7,000 of them still... Want to be out there, so that's they're what, all
1: freak athletes. But the ones that made it
0: are like the ultimate freaks. Yeah, yeah. You know? But you're still in like the top one percent of athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bruiser Brody came into wrestling because right after he got out of college, he was a sports writer, and uh, I guess he found out about Fritz von Erich, who's a hilarious. Character in wrestling. The yeah. Von Erics are like still going. They, they're, they I think, fourth generation now of yeah. kids are wrestling. But, dude, Fritz Von Eric And again, you, look, we're going back to like the 1950s. Yeah. Different time, different place. You got to think like, what's the most evil thing in the world's eyes in the 1950s? Probably Germans. A Nazi. Yeah. There's nothing. Like we just literally, the, the whole world had to take him on. Yeah. The Nazis and the Japanese. So if you're going to be a bad guy in wrestling, you're going to be a Nazi or Japanese. Yeah. Like they had all the, you know, there's a very rich tradition of Samoans wrestling professionally. Well, all those Samoans were fucking billed as Japanese back then. Yeah. They weren't Samoan. They were Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Because they're like, oh, this guy's a sumo wrestler. He's from the Axis, of evil type of shit.
1: one wanted to fuck with them because I they thought they'd just <laughs> fly a plane into the fucking audience. Or yeah. Shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think the Japanese get enough credit for flying planes and this stuff. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the Muslims try to take it away, which really was just, you know, the Americans portraying, but frame it on the Muslims. You know what? we? I know 9-11 just happened, so I have to think about the most absurd shit that happened in 9-11, and besides the let's roll phone call that just didn't happen. Yeah. Like, dude, okay, again, this is always my point. Right now, today, if you're listening to this and you're on a flight... In the middle of the flight, I want you to take your cell phone out and try to call somebody. Yeah. Does it work? No. So how, (laughs) over 20 years ago, did somebody call Yeah, and say, all right, we got a group of four or five of us. and We're going to take them on. Let's roll.
1: This didn't happen. Which is also just a real crazy phone call. Yeah. Like, even if you, even if the phone worked, and then you do it, like, oh, this guy's fucking nuts.
0: You are just calling your wife to be like, "I love you." I'm just telling you, they've taken the plane over with box cutters, but we're taking them down. Let's roll. Uh, <laughs> and then when
1: people wear "Let's Roll" shirts. Oh, dude, that's my kid's <laughs>
0: fucking school. The sidewalk is like a September 11th Memorial sidewalk, and it says "Let's Roll" on it yeah <laughs> but then also, all right, so uh what happened then this is that terrorist flu planes caused the gr- the greatest amount of casualties in American history. flu planes, they're so explosive that they took down t- the two biggest skyscrapers in our country, set them ablaze, and then on the ground, they find the passports of every single person responsible for the attack, and we're just cool with it, yeah. That's why we gotta have to vote for Jesse the Body of Ventura and Andrew Yang. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. In twenty twenty four, dude. Man, if that happens, dude. what would
0: I do? I would have done a more official investigation of the FBI and figure out who caused this attack on September eleven. How did the FBI know who did this attack? Like, uh, they knew about Oswald with Kennedy. Yeah. Who's gonna investigate the investigators?
1: Yeah, who's gonna investigate the investigators? <laughs> Dude, the body rules, man. He does.
0: He that knew, he does. but that's so crazy. He smelled it. If you're just telling me again, the what I would consider the largest fire in American history. Yeah, they found the passports of the guys that were in the plane, flying the plane into. The buildings. Yeah. The passports just fluttered to the ground and were easily able to be collected? All of them. Come on!
1: Man, it's it's weird whenever something that stupid happens, but it's... That, but hey, you
0: know, it, the yeah. tight full circle is that people believe that Bruiser Brody was...
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People will believe anything. They will believe it. They'll buy it all. So,
0: he just... Trained to wrestle by Fritz von Erich, who is a Nazi. <laughs> Apparently, in real life, pretty sketchy. But okay. in the ring, straight up Zeke Island, goose stepping, wearing the uniform, probably oh, felt pretty cool. God. <laughs> I mean, you're being naughty. Yeah. But in the fit, again, in the fit, like if you pull that today, dude, which I don't know why someone isn't. I mean, kind of with Walter. Yeah. But, dude, how is that? You would think, like, all right, so I know it's time to cancel I think that's canceling people and stuff is like chilling out you know Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously it is what it is we're not celebrating the Nazis we're making a bad guy like why can't someone just come out and be a full blown Nazi like this uniform I get that it's deeply offensive to Jewish people but they're almost yeah. all dead from that generation so like let's just let them like that would be crazy yeah like, even on the Independence I feel like
1: I feel like, man, I think the best, like, shoot thing I've seen in a while is, is Jeff Jarrett coming out and starting shit with that crowd. Yeah. In that last match, because I was, Throwing like... Throwing
0: the guy's beer on him.
1: Yeah, it was so cool, man, because <laughs> it was, like, it really got the audience invested, and they were, like, oh, for right, sure. I hope he gets his fucking ass <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: and that's, like, hard to do when you know wrestling isn't real. Yeah. But when you didn't know... Yeah. Then, and that's how it leads to fucking real-life crime. yeah. I mean, dude, there have been heels that have been shot. Like, if you were a good heel before television and before people, like, really before the steroids trial, if you did a good job, like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan talks about all the time how, like, whenever he was going to leave, he had to have a security detail because he would get attacked Damn. everywhere he went. He was such, so good at making the crowd hate him that he would be mauled by the crowd. And if there wasn't security, he had to fight his way out. Every time. God. And people had shot at wrestlers, stabbed wrestlers, just yeah. because they're like, this is the bad guy.
1: And yeah. I ain't taking this shit. Yeah. It's crazy. People really do believe in fucking anything.
0: Man. So, when people see Fritz von Erich, they're seeing a guy who's literally a Nazi. I mean, his yeah. name's von Erich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so now he's he's in, the, you know, he went to college in West Texas. He's ended up in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, he's going by Bruiser Brody first and also King Kong Brody for different promotions. And uh, he would go by King Kong Brody when he worked in mid- the Midwestern area because there was already Dick the Bruiser. And that's like a respect thing, you know? You don't yeah. want to... He probably got Bruiser Brody from Dick the Bruiser because, you know, Dick the Bruiser, his character is just a guy that fights. Yeah. He's not a pro wrestler. He's a street fighter. So he's in there just beating ass. And so that, that's a big influence on a freak like Brody. So that's where you come up with King Kong Brody. And he wrestled all the way fucking around America, dude. I mean, every single organization that was going on back then, he went through... Uh, He would take on Kamala, the Ugandan giant, Abdul the Butcher, Crusher Jerry Blackwell, just all the other big freaks. They would just clash head to head and cut each other, slam each other, hit each other with chains, chairs, two by fours, blade one another to just be a bloody mess at every match. People love that shit. People love violence. And when they think it's really happening and somebody's getting their fucking face smashed in or like you said, cut up with a fork. The fourth thing's crazy. And they're bleeding all over the place. People fucking love it, man. They're going crazy for it. And so they're making good money by being, again, like I said, these are kind of like the first crop of dudes who you could consider independent wrestlers. They're wrestling on every promotion. Yeah. They're traveling. They're like a special attraction that people bring in because they're such freaks. Sure. And they're willing to go to extremes that other people aren't.
1: Do you think that the... The fork in the mouth, you know, like he did the, uh, Abdul Butcher do the fork in the mouth thing. Do you, like, how do you gimmick that?
0: I mean, uh, I, he had blood a trick capsules for sure. sure. There like, had to be something. Blood capsules, definitely. But yeah. they had, they you know, they just have tricks.
1: Yeah. God. They get it
0: done. Like a magician, baby. Uh, yeah. Then uh, Bruce started going to Japan, which is, you know, the pinnacle. Especially back then it, Wrestling was so much bigger in Japan Than it was in America Audience wise Yeah, I, mean, they would I be, think it still is It probably is It yeah. probably is And they You know It's still like the Wrestling came from Japan had Sumo wrestling They had all types of grappling arts But the idea of pro wrestling 100% is an American Well I mean It originated in England But the way that it Turned into what pro wrestling is Is an American endeavor Yeah that ended up in Japan. And it was like the perfect thing for Japanese people to be entertained by because they love fighting. They love martial arts. They love pageantry. It's perfect. Sure. So he is tag teaming with Stan Hansen in Japan. And uh, he does kind of have a bad reputation in that. Like I was saying earlier, he refuses to job for other wrestlers and jobbing is like, you come in and you lose a match because it's not real. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Except that at this time people don't know that it's not real. So it's like you could be America's favorite wrestler and lose eighty percent of your matches. You just have a character that people like. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's you know, always something fucky going on.
1: You're getting paid. To if you're do a like job, a cool
0: yeah. if you're cool enough at what you do, you don't have to like have the title to sell merch. Yeah. People like you, you know? So it just wasn't like that back then. And if you're a big freak like Brody, you just you can't allow yourself to take losses to people so that's he really just kind of got like a shit reputation in japan and other places in america because he's not going to lose so even if the promoter says like hey you're losing tonight he ain't doing it yeah and there's only you're not really wanting to go to war with this giant freak athlete Mm-mm. so you're going to do kind of what he says and he's stiff too and what stiff means is he doesn't pull his punches as much as you're supposed to yeah he hits you he kicks you he slaps you he Lays things in more than are necessary to kind of sell what's going on. He
1: kind of lets you. He's letting you know that he can and will fuck you up at, at any given moment. He's not really just letting going all in with the strikes. Just kind of like letting you know, hey. And what's if crazy? You don't too, work with me. And,
0: and I'm saying all this uh, because it, I I don't want to make him sound like he's a shithead. People loved him. Yeah, wrestlers loved him. He just was who he was, you yeah. know, he, in Japan that doesn't fly over great because of the cultural barrier. But in America, like the guy's fucking fun to be around. Uh, he's a little bit unhinged. Yeah. So people like to party with him. They liked his nature. They like to work with him, even though they were getting beat up a little bit because he got you over, you know, he it doesn't matter that you're losing to him. You you kind of have to lose to him, but it's such a crazy endeavor for like a baby face to get in the ring with a guy like that. Yeah. That he makes you look great because of course you're losing to him, but you put up a fight against this fucking freaking nature. Uh, and then he also kind of started to pick up. They were around 1976. Now uh, he was doing another bit called the Masked Marauder in AWA, which was huge. And then he went to Vince J. McMahon's WWF, where he took on the long reigning champion Bruno San Martino. Now, that he wasn't allowed to win. And then he kind of tag teamed up with Big John Studd. And uh, that is where he first wrestled Invader One. And he refused. Invader One is the guy who's running the show in Puerto Rico. And this is yeah. kind of where they met. And how they started bringing them into Puerto Rico, uh, taking on Invader One in the WWF, which you know was one of the biggest territories there was at the time. It obviously turned into the WWF under the negativism McMahon. He wouldn't sell to Invader One. He sandbagged him and would ref- did what he kind of does: refused to take a loss to this guy. Yeah. 1985. He ended up going to New Japan and had a very short stint because he had a feud with Inoki. And uh, many of the matches had to be ended in no contest or disqualification because they just fight. <laughs> they would just fight. Well, you know, Brody wouldn't. I mean, uh, they didn't fight, f- flat out fight, because Inoki yeah. would kick his fucking ass. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Inoki could fight, fight. Yeah. Uh, but. Brody refused to job, refused to sell, and so he would get beat up a little bit by Anoki. That's what would happen, and then the match wouldn't go, and they'd be tired of it, and so they would call it. And that's it. He didn't last very long. Is what yeah. I'm getting at. He was already out of that by 1987. Then uh, this promotion in Puerto Rico, the World Wrestling Council, was a pretty big show, uh, and you know. Brody got fired from New Japan, so he went over there, and he was with a lot of guys that he knew. Uh, Abdul the Butcher was over there. Uh, he had a feud going with Carlos Colon, who was a pretty big international star. And then, uh, he would bounce to any organization he could work at. He went to All Japan Pro Wrestling, which is different than New Japan. It was awesome back in, by the way. All Japan fucking rules. So. Yeah, yeah. Um... And then in nineteen ninety-eight, they kind of came up with what was called it was still called to this day the Triple Crown Championship, where he went to win the NWA title and then the PWF title, and then he had to go do the WCCW all of the, this is like the, the biggest territorial promotions at the time. And he was trying to be the champion of all those at the same time. Uh, and then he, in WCCW there, he wasn't a heel bond. He was a monster, but he was like so popular that they had to make him a babyface. Yeah. And, uh, He ended up winning that. He ended up winning in the WCCW, but then he dropped his other belt to Jumbo Saruta, who is a freak as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't did. think I've ever seen that. Dude. Oh, really?
0: Dude. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: I saw a really cool video the other day that, uh, uh, Scientific Wrestling put up on their <laughs> page. And it was, uh, pictures of Bruiser Brody and, and, uh, Luthers is training catch wrestling together, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Doing toe holds and all kinds of shit. But, I, w- I mean, you know, I wonder, like, him being, a fo- like, a football guy and then going into wrestling, you know, I know it just had to be, like, one of those things where somebody saw him and was like, dude, this guy's a big fucking freak. Let's just get him on. But I feel like any time any of these, oh, well, you know, like, fucking... uh uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, all these guys that came from, like, football, like Sluver, they end up just fucking, like, loving the pro wrestling lifestyle and, like, get totally engulfed in it. Like, they just don't fucking want to do anything else. And They just, you know, most of these, like, career football guys, they love that. But then once they get into wrestling, it just takes over. It's fucking – it's really cool to see see these big dudes – who aren't going to ever plan on doing that and then go into this world and then they just get to act like fucking animals and travel and just fucking do the wildest shit every day, all day long, different towns uh, to the point where like, like you said, they buy into their own gimmick and then they, that's how they even handle business in the personality that they play to a great degree. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And so that kind of catches us up to speed that, uh, I mean, essentially the picture I'm trying to paint and what really happened with Brody is that his character isn't the character you want to be the face of your company. So he's not ever gonna be the guy that has the belt, is the champion, is the people, is the guy that people are buying tickets consistently to come out and watch. He's a freak show that you bring in every once in a while yeah. to make your champion look good. Yeah. So that is how he wound up in Puerto Rico. A huge show. He's making good money, but internationally doesn't have the acclaim of like a Ric Flair or a Mick Foley or somebody that everybody knows. Uh, that takes us to July 16th, 1988 where Brody is again in Puerto Rico. He's supposed to take on Dan Spivy at the Juan Ramon Laubril Stadium in Baymont, a city which is pretty close to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and that is when Jose Huertas Gonzalez who we talked about earlier, uh, he's a wrestler and he's the booker for the show he sees Brody and again they've had beef Yeah, and the main beef is that like Not only has Brody been shitty to him as far as, like, taking away his time in the spotlight, but Brody's stiff. He's beat him up a little bit because, you know, if a promoter says, like, hey, you're going to win, and the other guy, when you get in the ring, says, no, you're not. And then you got to try to stand your ground. And if you're getting beat up, I mean, that's going to fuck with you. And also, how
1: crazy is it? Because like, if you try to pull that shit now, people just won't book you. They'll just be like, fuck that, you know. But yeah. he, but he was such a fucking freak that they were like, well, I mean, we got to have him. You yeah, know? and it was part of the show back then too. But
0: there was a lot of people like that. Yeah. It just kind of was how every, you know, Brody's Brody. That's just kind of how it is. It's yeah. like, and, it, and as long as he's not in the way of something, because that's the thing too. Is like the matches between those two didn't matter. So that here's how they wanted it to go, but at the end of the day, they didn't really fucking care. Yeah. It wasn't like you're hurting the guy that's making them money. You're just there to be freaks. So whatever. Yeah. So he calls Brody into the shower to discuss business. Uh there they get into an argument and then they start fighting with each other. And the way the dressing room was set up, and which was Gonzalez's plan the whole time, is that they're alone. There's no body around to kind of intervene with what was going to take place and you know I mean the Puerto Ricans they when you what are there's a lot of stereotypes in the planet they're wrong they're not true but yeah. they can be hilarious like black people love fried chicken and watermelon uh, white people love Yankee candles
1: yeah
0: I mean like everyone likes Yankee candles everyone likes fried chicken and watermelon it just yeah. gets pinned on people because of like some ancient racist stereotype yeah but, Sometimes people reinforce it, and that can be hilarious in its own way. What do we know about Puerto Ricans? And I'm yeah. guessing because of West Side Story probably is the yeah, reason it's like this. But, do uh, you uh, I mean, they stab people.
1: They love a blade, man. They pull them
0: out and they stab. They're yeah, stabbers. That's what they I mean. love to stab. I think
1: that stereotype is is real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to mess with a pistol. Anytime off. somebody talks about a Puerto Rican, it always Someone's is a, somebody real. with a fucking knife, man. <laughs>
0: But that's what we're dealing with here, man, instead of just fighting each other and squaring up because they had been down that road enough before Gonzalez knew it was going to happen, so he settled the, the Puerto Rican way and stabbed the fuck out of Brody King. Yeah. Brody. <laughs> I did it too. See? Yeah. Bruiser Brody, yeah. Stabbed the fuck out of Bruiser Brody. Uh, It was lately responded to because, again, nobody was watching. Two screams were heard. Uh, the entire locker room... Headed that way, Tony Atlas was the first one to get there, and he sees Brody bent over, holding his stomach. Then he looks at Gonzalez and sees him holding a knife. Now, Tony Atlas's brain was probably like, I don't know if he stabbed him, or he's just... This is a cultural thing that I've walked into. Or if he's just ribbon, you know? Yeah, because this is what Puerto Rican people do. and It's not out of character to see one of them brandishing a blade. No. Uh, So it takes him a second to investigate and see what's going on. And a lot of the locker room... Definitely the crowd, include all the way down to the security staff and the promoters, because they're used to being around wrestling. They don't know if this is a work. Yeah. They don't know if he's really hurt or if it's fake blood or like what the deal is. So it takes a long time to start the process. And on top of that, you know, Puerto Rico at the time is kind of a fucking shithole. Yeah. So Tony Atlas knows this guy has to get to the hospital. Uh the stadium is packed, packed, packed. Because, again, there's not shit to do. This is a huge attraction. I mean, this is like a huge sporting event like the Super Bowl would be in America. I mean, it's packed. So they can't drive anywhere. They have a hard time getting out of the stadium. It takes paramedics over an hour to get to Brody. And when they finally get there, Atlas had to help carry Brody downstairs because, Atlas is so, or because Brody was so big, they couldn't just carry him. Uh, so they needed Atlas's strength to get Brody out of the damn building. Now they get to the hospital and this is the funny part about the Puerto Rican stereotype is that uh, what Tony Atlas says is they bring him into the emergency room and nobody's checking on him. So he's like trying to get in figure there to break the language barrier. He finally finds a doctor that speaks English and he's like, Hey man, my friend's been stabbed and nobody's helping him. You got to help him out. And the Puerto Rican doctor says like, Oh man getting stabbed in Puerto Rico was like the same thing as having a cold in America. Yeah. We see it so much. It's just like not a big deal. You know, he's going to be fine. And he's like, no dude, he's like dying right now. He's like turning blue and shit. So he persuades a doctor through fear of retribution to come check on Brody. And now everyone's afraid of Tony Atlas because he's throwing a fit, which rightly so. I mean, his fucking friend's dying in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fucking scary looking motherfucker back then too. Oh yeah, dude. It's jacked, 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 but too little, too late. Yeah. And, uh, Brody dies from his wounds, which he had not all the fuckery happened. He probably would have lived from it, but this is where things take an interesting turn because Tony Atlas basically saw the guy who killed him, Mm -hmm. but you're in Puerto Rico, you're dealing with a guy that's powerful in Puerto Rican wrestling and nobody's going to tell on the guy. Nobody's going to say, like, yeah, it was Gonzalez that stabbed him. They're just going to be like, man, I think he was just doing what Brody does and fighting in the crowd, and somebody stabbed him in the crowd. Got cranked. And nobody's going to spill the beans. No. So the guy completely got away with it.
1: Hey. God damn it. Which is so – yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy because of the – because the guy was so widely loved, you know? And even to this day, I mean, people still, like – you know, when when you watch those matches, it's it's still something that's so goddamn crazy because you you don't really know if so. It's like they definitely talked in the locker room about what they were going to do to each other, but how much of it was like they bladed, or how much it was really that they were stabbing each other with a fucking fork? Because it looks like they're cramming a fork in each other. Yeah, I'm sure you they know? are. So and they
0: have to agree to that most of the time, I would yeah. think. But you know, just guys like them and Terry Funk, uh, and that's what led to. I mean, hardcore wrestling. It finally crossed over into the mainstream in WCW and WWF with like Mick Foley and the cool. You know, Mick Foley was not gonna go and do it without Terry Funk. Yeah,
1: and Onita too. You know, you had Onita from Japan who was like, you know, they're doing the fucking craziest matches where the ring was gonna blow up and.
0: Yeah. Well, and the Puerto Rican wrestling was like that too. I mean, they were lighting the ring on fire and having barbed wire ropes and. Yeah. I mean, this was when that stuff kind of came to shine, and then it it kind of ended with Mick Foley, yeah. In, in as far as it being like in the in the mainstream eye of doing crazy shit, and they would really like nerf it up for the WWF. Like I think the most hokey, over the top. I think what almost kind of killed the idea of. Hardcore wrestling for because, I mean, for one, you know, like the steroids scandal had happened and Vince McMahon had to come out and say, like, yeah, it's sports entertainment. It's not really a sport. uh But then they had that shit. We talked about it on Nerd Free Wrestling where they had the match where, you know, uh, Terry Funk's being Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. And Mick Foley's Mick Foley. They're both the hardcore kings. And... They are doing a match against each other and the new age outlaws come and assault them and throw them in a dumpster. Or yeah. no, they're fighting each other and Mick Foley falls in a dumpster. They throw Terry Funk at the dumpster, and then they push the dumpster off the stage. But it's yeah. all set up and you can see how corny it is. Yeah. And like they supposedly are on death's doorstep. They're like in the hospital and like Michael calls. Cole is calling from the hospital saying, like, I don't know if they're gonna make it, man. It looks pretty bad over here. Yeah,
1: but like when they crack open the the fucking dumpster, dude. It's like packed with like packaging peanuts and like styrofoam, and then also just fucking like stuffing from pillows and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's. I know it probably still sucked, but man,
0: yeah. And it cracked. Like they padded the. I mean, the whole. You know, it's whatever. It's just like things like that. When when you let Vince McMahon be in control, they took something that was like the the nice thing about hardcore wrestling and and deathmatch wrestling is there's not you don't need a lot. To make it look insane. You know, you just need some fucking light bulbs and implements that will cut your skin tax and shit like that. You you don't have to have a giant production behind it. And that's where Vince McMahon fucked it all up, you know, put too much into it. And, you know, by the end of the episode, Mick Foley and chainsaw Charlie are back fighting instead of being dead. Just hokey shit like that really sunk. But the, the roots of it with Abdullah and Terry Funk and even McFoley was in on that wave in Japan with Oneida uh, all these guys were doing something new in wrestling which is always exciting to see because there's not much room for that anymore yeah. I mean everyone's kind of seen everything
1: Man, they, they still have these really crazy death matches in Japan um, I watched one the other day it just looked like it was happening like a VFW hall or some shit but they put center blocks on the ring and do gets fucking power bombed onto center blocks like and i know that sucks dick, yeah man, for sure you know? but it was like it was center blocks with uh with a two by four with some like nails or something on it you know it's just like god damn it man and they the japanese always take it way further than most people because they want it to be the most extreme sure thing they want to be the best at the most of anything so it's just that some of these matches that are doing now are still pretty goddamn crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, wrestling is the wildest thing, hence our allure to it. You know, everyone knows it's a bit, but uh, it's the most fun bit there is. Yeah. Yeah. It really, like, I think about all the time how it's so funny that when I was a little kid, like, if you would have asked me what your dream job was as pro wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had a, having a lot of money from doing it in mind too. Just like, cause you see the lifestyle that the guys are living, but yeah, it's still very fun and hilarious to be pro wrestling now. In my fucking 30s. Yeah, dude,
1: it's, it should have been something we should have been doing all along, but Jake, say, Jake Shan said, he's like, it's just like being a fucking rock star. He's like, it's like being at a bank, if so you're in control of it. And you know, and, and the butchering the blade dudes, Andy was saying, he's like, dude, every time you wrestle, he's like, you guys are, Making a fucking song, dude. You're like, there's a beginning, a middle, end. There's a chorus. There's, he's like, there's a fucking breakdown. You know, it's like all these different things. He's like, so it is just like being in a band. Technically, everybody's working together to create a performance. You know, but it's fucking like it's the stuff that go. What I love about it, I like all the stuff that goes into wrestling, but especially behind the scenes shit, like in the back it's just fucking everybody just goofing, man. I love it. I
0: love it. dude. Hopefully you can show up and sell this weekend and (laughs) not have two left feet. Uh, It'll be something. It's going to be fun to continue on with. And hopefully we convinced you guys to listen to the other podcast. If you're not. Yeah. And it's a sick story either way. Like it's just that lore in America where you've got this giant fucking freak who is built for, doing some type of rugged athletic activity, couldn't quite make it to the NFL. You know, when you're an athlete and like all these avenues keep getting closed in your face and you just are kind of left with like, well, I'm good at these things, but not good enough to be here. You just got to kind of keep looking for things you can do with what you have. And then he found pro wrestling and we're all better for him doing it. And it sucks the way he died, but it's one of the craziest stories in professional wrestling history Yeah, that some in-ring heat went so far as two dudes who didn't really care for each other, one ended up stabbing the other guy to death.
1: Yeah. I and mean, getting it, away with
0: it. Getting the fuck away. I mean the guy's still going right now. Yeah. It's he still promotes wrestling and shit. I mean that's the world's a wild fucking place, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm just glad we can have the lore to look back on and I'm stoked we can be part of the future. Yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe one of us will get killed. <laughs> 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 then people really care about our podcast. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, speaking
0: of podcasts, let's do some business. You can go to patreon.com backslash Detectives if you like either one of these podcasts. We do record an episode that doesn't really have a theme every other week where we just fuck around, and it is usually pretty naughty if you like that type of thing. It's only five bucks a month, patreon.com. Backslash Death Metal Detectives. Also, if you want to support us, support some of our sponsors, you can go to BeerBongs.com, get 20% off on products that enable you to drink beer faster than any other human ever should. Promo code DMD20 on any of the gear they have over there will get you 20% off and free shipping. Also, if you love nasty, disgusting death metal and grindcore, you got to head over to gurglinggorerecords.com Get yourself some sick records, shirts, hats, whatever the hell you need to let people know that you're Cool. Promo code Dix is going to save you 10% right out the door. And thank you, as always, to Fluids for making our rockin' theme song. Mm.
1: We hope and pray that you guys get laid. Laid.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'd like to see you in person also. So, you know, November 12th, we got a big wrestling show at Vino's right in Little Rock, Arkansas. If you can make it to that, fucking A, brother. Hey. We'll see you there.
1: And then, uh, you make sure to follow our, uh, our tag team wrestling page. It is hell patrol underscore party squad on Instagram. Was
0: there already a hell patrol? What do you mean? Was there already just an Instagram with the name hell patrol? Like were yeah, you allowed wouldn't, to use yeah, that, it. You
1: know? wouldn't, yeah. So, uh, just, uh, go over there and follow it and you'll be able to see like if we're coming around to wrestling near you, which I'm sure it'll be a second before we can do any out of state stuff. But, uh, yeah, thanks guys. Huh?